0: Welcome to Pilgrimage of the Heart Interviews. Join us as we explore fascinating people and ideas in the world of yoga. Welcome everybody. This is Sujantra McKeever with Pilgrimage Yoga Online for our podcast series. Today our guest is Leslie Kamenoff. He is a yoga educator inspired by the tradition of TKV Desikachar. He is an internationally recognized yoga and anatomy teacher who also does a lot of work with the breath. He has over 37 years experience and leads anatomy and yoga methodology workshops around the world and for leading yoga associations. Leslie's book, Yoga Anatomy, which was co-authored with Amy Matthews, is one of the seminal writings of yoga that's used in education these days and has sold over 500,000 copies. Leslie is the founder of The Breathing Project, a nonprofit educational corporation dedicated to the teaching of individualized, breath centered yoga practice and education. His courses are also available online, which gives access to the worldwide audience at yogaanatomy.net. Welcome to the program, Leslie.
1: Well, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to speak with you.
0: And to to start at the beginning, what first brought you to the practice of yoga? Uh,
1: Actually, it was my dad. Um, He was uh, going through, I guess you can call it a midlife crisis uh, back in the 70s and uh, started doing a lot of things, which included yoga. And um, he actually is the one that invited me to my first ever yoga class, which was in New York City, um, the year would have been uh, nineteen seventy-eight, and it would have been at the uh, Shivananda Yoga Center uh, on uh, West Twenty-fourth Street. So that's where I took my first ever yoga class.
0: And how old were you then?
1: Um, I was
0: twenty. Wow, and you you have <clears throat> you you have really focused in on on anatomy and breath work, and I'm wondering what, what brought you or what inspired you to to uh, focus in on that element of yoga? Uh,
1: it was mostly curiosity at first. Um, I'm uh, what you call a, a self-learner. Um, I guess the fancy term is autodidact. Uh, I never did well in structured learning environments, so um, I sort of barely got out of high school and, and, and didn't really pursue College education. I was living on my own from a pretty early age, and just pursuing things that interested me. And 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 once I connected with yoga, that really sort of took over. And um, I did my teacher's training with Shivananda in 1979, and started teaching pretty much right away. And um, I became very curious about all the differences I was seeing in the you know, uh, the students in front of me and their bodies and their capabilities, why certain things were easy for some people and harder for others, and, um, you know, why certain people had an easy time with some poses and, and a difficult time with others. And so that led me naturally to trying to understand the anatomy a little bit better. Um, and uh, pretty much everything I learned was very practically oriented, very much on the job. Uh, working with people in yoga classes and and, uh, eventually working in fields like sports and dance medicine and physical rehabilitation and and athletic training and things like that. So it was uh, very much just following my curiosity.
0: And in terms of um, teachers, you... uh You mention your inspiration coming from the tradition of D, uh, TKV Desikachar, and I'm wondering what your—did you know him personally, or you you studied through his well, writings? Yeah, yes, or
1: I did. I did uh, become his his student. Um, uh, I met him first in uh, 1988, so I'd already been doing yoga for uh, about ten years at that point, point. Um, and uh, I was I was drawn to uh, this idea that that uh, it was all in the breath, that there was this. Uh, breath centered, uh, way of looking at the practice, uh, because I had on my own prior to meeting him, uh, been experimenting quite a bit, uh, with my own ideas of how to coordinate certain breathing patterns with certain movements. And, um, when I met Desika Char, he, he literally turned that whole thing upside down and, um, uh, kind of triggered a, A breathing crisis of my own uh, (laughs) initially where i had to sort my own body out um and my own breathing and and then i became uh even after that uh, even extra curious about what had happened anatomically uh in this uh uh, sort of uh uh change that that i experienced in, in the way i was breathing in my practice and, and moving my body. So uh, I formally approached him uh, to be his student uh, after that, and he accepted. And uh, for a while, I was everywhere where he was that I was able to get to, because he was still traveling around the world and, and teaching at that point, both in the States and in Europe. And I did spend some time in India with him, uh, although certainly not as much time to as some of his more senior students uh, like people like carrie crapsdale and some of the european students and and other folks
0: like that and i noticed that one of your organizations is called the breathing project so that that stems from this um this focus on breath and and breath being the essence of the practice for you
1: uh yes yes When I started the studio, well, it actually it was, it was a, a non-profit before it was a physical studio. The, the idea was to communicate this idea that it was an ongoing, uh, investigation, you know, not a finished product. So the word project seemed to make sense. And, um, to call it the breathing project was really to, to just to let people know that there was a place where this uh, idea of putting the breath at the center. Of this, uh, inquiry about yoga and movement was, was, uh, was really the, the main focus. And, and, um, the, the other practical consideration at the time was when we started the studio, uh, back in 2003, there was no space in New York City where people who were interested in this teaching tradition of Krishna Charlie and Desika could come and, and teach in any way that they pleased. You know, uh they were there were a bunch of teachers who were connected with the tradition who were teaching at various places around uh town, but it was always someone else's agenda or someone else's system or someone else's class structure that they were obliged to stick to. So there was no place where they were free to come and, and, and experiment and teach as they as they wished. And so it became a real hotbed of that kind of uh investigation uh, right from the beginning.
0: And, and what's the website for our listeners who might uh, be in the New York area to explore that? Uh,
1: Breathingprojects.org. Um, and uh, right now, as of the summer of 2016, we have exactly one year of programming left uh, because we're closing the studio uh, next August. Uh, so um, we're letting everyone know that this is their last chance to get involved in uh, the programming that we have there.
0: Wow, and is it uh is it just a, a, a shift for you or is it a rent I mean is it business you know, I um Well
1: it's 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 not like well, you could say that partly it's because of what it's like to pay Manhattan rents on a monthly basis, right. but that's really right. only that's a lot. A part of the picture. Um it really is about Amy Matthews and myself wanting to see what's next for us in terms of uh-huh. uh, where we teach and how we teach and, and what we're going to be doing for the next phase of our lives. And we put in a good you know, uh, 13 years to the studio uh, where it all be said and done. And, and that's a good chunk of our uh, adult professional teaching lives. And we really felt like uh, it was time to bring this particular phase to a close uh, and do it consciously and as elegantly as we could uh, and uh, see what's next.
0: And in terms of uh, sharing, sharing your teachings, you have a, a website with online courses available. Can you tell us about that? Sure. This is something we
1: started about uh, five or six years ago, and it really took off. It was one of the earliest um, full, fully online, full courses that that got put out there, and um, it really is the recorded version of the year-long trainings that I do in New York City at the Breathing Project. And Amy has her own courses up as well um, at the the same uh, location, the YogaAnatomy.net. Uh, she's actually, uh, what she does, she calls embodied anatomy or embodied asana. Um, and it, it, it was really to give people access to, to these, uh, these teachings who don't live in New York. And, you know, it would often happen that I would be traveling around, whether it's in the States or internationally, people would get very excited about this. Sort of things they were learning. They wanted more. And then, they, you know, before the online courses, their only option is really to move to New York for a year and and, and take the courses, which is, is really not financially or, or practically feasible for most people. So uh, it's, it's a way of letting people all over the world have access to the teachings. And we've had a tremendous response. So far, we're in over 40 countries uh, around the world um, with uh, well over 2,000 students enrolled. So it's been really quite wonderful to see the response out there.
0: Congratulations. That's really sharing yoga with a lot of people that wouldn't otherwise have access to it.
1: Yeah. Yes. Thank you. And the other thing we learned is that for many people, it's actually a more optimal experience to learn online than to be in person. And that and sounds funny to say, but, you know, and of course nothing can replace personal contact and yet, you know, when you're taking a course online and 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 watching this all unfold, you know, in a browser on your computer, there's a pause button. You know, you can stop. You can stop right. me from talking, which you can't really do when I'm in person. You can rewind. You can, <laughs> you can you can you can go to the bathroom and come back to it without missing anything. You, you can read the transcript, and you can also interact by asking questions and. And getting you know responses and things like that, so we do make it as interactive as possible. But there's a lot. It's a more of a multimodal approach than just sitting in a room listening to someone listening to someone talk. So uh, that's been interesting to learn how how many different ways people uh, interact with the material.
0: And on so you've been you've been in the realm of yoga for. 37 years what what does your own daily personal practice look like these days after all these years
1: my daily personal practice um, Is mostly about Moving my body around in space as I do my work and as I breathe uh, In such a way that I don't need to do a lot of asana to correct the tension that I build up in my daily movements um, <laughs> And the way I, I would explain it is, is that when I was younger I did an awful lot of asana practice and, and Pranayama and all of that when I was living at the ashrams and and running centers for the Shivananda organization and, and I had time for that, you know, and now with you know more uh, of a job and a family and all those responsibilities, it really isn't the time to do that lengthy kind of daily practice. And what I've had to do is take the lessons I learned on the mat into the way I hold my body when I'm working on a client on the table or when I'm in front of a room, sitting or standing or moving and teaching or demonstrating. And, and and so either I don't do a lot of practice at all or I'm doing a whole lot of it all the time. You can look at it both ways. And, of course, if I feel something building up in my body that needs addressing, I I, I do throw my mat down and, and, and do what I need to do just to maintain myself. But the way I think about it is that if I can... Stay functional enough to to live my life, and, and occasionally play some basketball or ride my horse, or or uh, demonstrate in front of a room full of yoga, other yoga teachers without making a complete ass of myself. I'm pretty <laughs> satisfied, you know. I, I don't I don't miss all that much some of the more advanced poses that I used to be able to do when I was younger, because frankly, if I if I tried to get back to them now, I'd probably end up hurting myself.
0: Now, some of, let, let's imagine that some of our listeners out there are brand new to yoga. How, how would you explain to them the importance of breath um, in terms of the yoga practice? Because every, everyone sees the asanas, but, but how, how, what would you tell someone about breath and the importance of it?
1: Well, you can think of asana as, as the postural work of asanas is as how you stabilize your body in space. And, and breath would be more about how you mobilize the space in your body. And when you when you put it that way, you see that they're just different sides of the same coin because the same muscles that you're using, uh, that you're learning how to use more efficiently, more effectively to do the postural work of the yoga asanas are the same muscles that have to coordinate in order for you to breathe effectively while you're doing all of that. On, on a deeper level, what what the focus on breathing also teaches us is the relationship between that which we can control and that which we cannot control because breathing is both. Okay, it's both voluntary and autonomic, and um, the way that relates to postural practice is, is quite frankly, you know, not every asana is for every person. Not every person's body can do every pose, and so you know, you're you're not really in control of certain of those things. You're not in control of some of the genetic inheritance that you've gotten in terms of your body proportions or the arrangement of your connective tissue or uh, how your joints behave, and and so. This inquiry is very important in order to keep yourself safe in asana practice. You know, you need to know what not to try to change because it's not changeable. Whereas learning what is changeable and what you can improve, uh, is, is where you need to focus your efforts. And and breathing tends to teach us those lessons because a, a big portion of our breathing is certainly not under our conscious voluntary control um and so when we put the breath at the center of the practice it really does teach us those lessons
0: hmm that's a great explanation did so so you're you teach in terms of your breath work it's not traditional pranayama you've developed um some techniques some of it
1: is Mm -hmm. is. there's a real value in learning a technique whether it's a traditional pranayama technique or one of the other ones that i kind of made up along the way but but as, as long as it's a technique that means that there's a correct way of doing it. And, and the value in that I find is that when, when you teach someone a technique, basically you're teaching them, teaching them a new way of breathing. And the value in that is that when you're trying to learn a new way to breathe, what you have to do is unlearn your old way of breathing. And that mm. to me is where all the benefits come from. Um, so the value in a technique, whether it's a traditional one or a non-traditional one, is that there's a right and a wrong way to do it. You know, and when you learn to do it right, what, what you're discovering in your system is all the stuff that gets in the way. Dealing with the stuff that gets in the way is really what the what the work is. You know, it's the same with asana. I'm always telling people that yoga isn't about doing the poses, it's about undoing what's in the way of the poses. And it's the same thing with breathing. Um the confusion comes in sometimes when uh this idea that this is a correct way to do techniques leads to this this um false idea that there's a right way to breathe all the time which is not true because the reason we learn techniques is to free up our system so that our breath can be free to respond to whatever is needed in the moment. But there's no one pattern or technique that will suffice for everything we need to do with our body and breath. So there's a correct way to do techniques, but there's not a right way to be breathing all the time. And and that's an important perspective that I like to share with people.
0: And in your in your online courses, do you offer is it is it all intertwined the learning of the yoga anatomy and the breathing, or are there unique courses that just focus in on the breathing?
1: Um, Actually, there's two main courses that I teach. Uh, One is called Principles, and the other is Practices. Principles is more about the anatomical information, uh, which I do teach in in an experiential way. It's not all just uh, information. Um, Practices is more about Um, uh, practicing. It's more about me teaching practice uh, with some of the information there as a support. So uh, one format is lecture demo, and that's principles, and the other is more practice with explanation, and that's practices. Um, But the breath is always there, whether we're talking explicitly about the breathing mechanism or about the spine or about how the limbs function, because that's sort of what ties it all together, uh, at least for me, from my perspective, and certainly that's Something that uh, that my teacher Jessica Char,
0: was quite focused on as well. Yeah, I'm just I'm just flipping through your book, which I've read quite a bit of, and it, mm. it's such a great book. I just so much recommend the Yoga Anatomy to everyone out there to deepen your, especially for teachers to deepen your ability to teach, and and for everyone actually to deepen their own practice. Um, yeah, it's
1: funny, you know, I run into people who aren't yoga teachers who have the book, and and, and the way that they a lot of people use it is. They say, you know, I, I use your book to look up where it was that I was hurting. You know, I wanted, to know the, <laughs> I wanted to know the name of that muscle or that bone or that attachment or whatever, where I had pain. And it, it, it's kind of interesting when when you hear people using the book in ways that you, frankly, never envisioned. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of different ways to interact with uh, with the material. But the front matter, just the, the written chapters as opposed to the analysis section where we go through each pose, uh, is really uh to me the heart of the discussion because that's
0: where we go into some of the fundamental concepts. And in our yoga te- we we have a two yoga studios out here in San Diego and we have the yoga teacher training and mm. in the yoga lion certification it's um, it's less than I think people receive less than I think it's 10 hours of yoga and it's adding. 20 hours
1: it's 20 hours oh, so, at the 200 level which is which is odd because I was one of the people that actually helped you know, uh composed those standards way back when, and right. I remember very distinctly fighting for twenty five hours and I don't know right. who or when uh, it got <laughs> was responsible for um reducing it from twenty five to twenty, but I, I believe the current standard is twenty hours of uh, of anatomy, and actually, now that I think of it, there is another online course that Amy and I both put together, which is called fundamentals, which is used by. 200-hour teacher training programs to provide that 20 hours of, of anatomy. And we even found a way to build contact hours into the online um, a way of, of learning anatomy. And, uh, more and more uh, studios are adopting uh, fundamentals uh, for the anatomy component of their uh, teacher training program. So that's really nice to see.
0: Yeah, and I think that, that your materials... Are a great way for teachers to keep learning because there is there you can only learn so much in twenty hours and in the whole sure. world of anatomy there's so much more to learn.
1: Oh sure, and, and and to be honest, the fundamentals program has way more than twenty hours of material in it, but it right. certainly covers the minimum standard of twenty for the two hundred hour training.
0: And in in your own journey, is um is there a certain place that uh, a certain teaching or lineage or is it to Desikachar that you go for the the quote-unquote spiritual side of yoga to get your inspiration and motivation and vision well, for things?
1: Breathing, breath is spirit, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, the, the, the word respiration comes from the same root as our word for spirit. And I don't think you have to look too much further than, than the body and the way it breathes and the way it operates at the most fundamental level to find some very, very, very deep spiritual connection to our existence. And this is completely uh, distinct from any kind of Vedic source teachings you might go to to get the so-called spiritual side of yoga. There's there's a deep intersection, of course, between the truths of the body and of life and the ancient teachings. And in fact, the more ancient you go with the teachings, the more elemental they become and the more directly connected to our life processes. Um, but, uh, you know, HR and his father, Krishnamacharya, of course, you know, the teachings there were, were very deeply rooted in the ancient traditions, particularly in the Yoga Sutra of Patanjali, but uh, that's a very, very integral part of uh, what was communicated to us uh, by Jessica Char. Uh, This Mm. is a spiritual teaching. Uh, The awesome is the most obvious, most popular uh, part of it, but that's just one facet of this beautiful gem, which is the totality of the teachings of yoga.
0: And, and having, having been practicing since the 70s and seen all the changes in technology and the growth of yoga, what, what, where, where do you see or hope that the, that the, um, the interest of, in yoga in our world today, what, what, what do you see it growing into or what do you see happening with it?
1: Um, it, it you know, it, it, it grows uh, in dimensions and directions that, uh, frankly, I would never have even begun to imagine. Back when this was not called an industry or even a job for that matter, it was a it was a hobby because no one was really making a living doing it. Um, so I, I frankly, you know, can't imagine where it can possibly go from here except to continue what it's been doing, which is to grow and expand and diversify, and um, and to look into. New delivery systems like online, and who knows what we'll be able to do with virtual reality, you know, in a few years. So there's all of that, and and I just hope it kept it stays as free as it's been. One of the the main battles that I've been involved in for the last several decades is is to keep yoga as free from interference and, and regulation as we can, which is which is why I I've, I've been far less critical of the Yoga Alliance recently than I had been from when it you know, started uh because the alliance actually has taken a stand against regulation as we're doing very effective work at keeping uh teacher training programs free from uh vocational training licensure and all of that. So uh I'm a very strong advocate for the, the free market, uh for people's freedom to innovate, uh, which means to create fantastic products, but it also means the freedom to create, you know, kind of silly things. Um, right. But even even the silly things uh, like, I don't know, rage yoga or broga or beer yoga or yoga <laughs> or or whatever you want to call it, you know, naturally I have a reaction to, it, to hearing the latest permutation, like, oh, really? Honestly? But I've learned to ask myself this question when I have that reaction, you know, because if, if, if yoga is about anything, it's like questioning your reactivity to things, right? So, <laughs> so I ask myself this question, you know, is this latest silly thing that I'm judging to be dumb? Is it a potential pathway for some people to eventually go deeper into what I consider to be the heart of the teachings? And the answer really is always yes, regardless of how silly the manifestation of, 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 of this, you know, product is. And, and so, you know, I say bring it all up. Uh, the, the the cream will rise to the top, the crap will sink to the bottom, and that's just the nature of the free market. I just think it should be kept as free as possible so that that can happen.
0: Yeah, that's how I like to think of a yoga. As there's so many entry points into it, and then people go as deep as they're inspired or able to.
1: Yeah, and it's not just yoga. You know, some people get their lives turned around by doing a step aerobics class or or you know kettlebell training or whatever. You never know what's going to wake somebody up to their own body, to their own breath, to their own inner existence. It's it's not the exclusive proprietary property of yoga to be doing that for people. You know, uh, there's so many pathways into uh, a deeper experience of yourself that uh, you know I, I would I wouldn't limit it to just what what yoga is up to in the world.
0: Well, I think that's the kind of attitude our world needs for yoga to just keep spreading and growing.
1: Uh, I uh. I think so, and, and you know that's the one I've come to to believe in and to, to stand for. So um, you know, just I, I as I said, you know, let's keep it free and keep it innovating and. Uh, and see where it goes. And, and the quality will always find an audience, as will everything else, you know?
0: Well, Leslie, it's been great talking to you. Um, a lot of great wisdom. And uh, can you go over once more w- where people should go to find out about you online? Can you give us those, okay. um, sure. those addresses once uh, Well, again? my
1: personal website, which we haven't mentioned, is yogaanatomy.org, O-R-G. And that's yogaanatomy. Both words fully spelled but connected. Okay. Um, so there's two A's in the middle of it, and then there's YogaAnatomy.net, which are the online courses. And uh, as I've already mentioned, there's also BreathingProject.org, um, which uh, the studio at least will be around for another uh, another year. So. And and is that uh, is that
0: bre- is that Breathing Project or the Breathing Project? No,
1: there's no the in it. It's just Breathing okay. Project BreathingProject.org. Yeah. Great, clarifying that.
0: And then, are you on the uh, the world of Instagram or Twitter?
1: Oh yeah, sure. Well, my you, Twitter don't, you don't want to forget those. Yeah, it's just my initial L Camino. That's my my Twitter handle, and it's the same on Instagram, and I've got a Facebook presence. I, I'm, I'm I'm pretty hard this online, so it, it, there's a lot of different pathways into it. Although my my Instagram feed is really. Nothing more than different shots of, of me eating and drinking in different exotic places. So <laughs> you, won't find, you won't find me doing fancy awesomeness.
0: Right, <laughs> it's mainly okay. a
1: travel log and, and a food blog, basically. So uh, okay. that's, that's my Instagram.
0: Anum <laughs> <laughs> Brahma, food is God.
1: Yeah, right, um, well, there you go. It all starts with food
0: yeah well, great, Leslie. We really appreciate um, you taking time to share your your wisdom and inspiration with us, and again, really encouraging all our listeners out there to um, to get the yoga anatomy book and to explore all that uh, Leslie has created in the online world. So I want to thank you again, Mr. Kamenoff, for joining us and um, thank you
1: it's been my pleasure, thanks for uh, taking an interest.